Inside the Jets, brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Welcome to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen alongside my partner, Eric Coleman. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Jets cornerback, Bless Austin, but welcome back, E. Oh, it's good to be back. Had to handle some business last week. You guys held it down. I saw the show. Yeah? Okay. And you were down in Texas, but now you're back in Florham Park. The Jets are 5-9 and nine with two games remaining in the 2019 season. If you're a veteran in that locker room, what goes through your mind entering this final stretch? You're not making the playoffs. Seating is not on the line or anything like that. What are you playing for these final two games? Well, I mean, you have two opportunities to get better if you're a veteran. Veteran, uh, you know, two two more games. Two that's two opportunities to show the world, to show this organization that you should be here. You should be a part of their future plans. Uh, you know, this this organization is moving in the right direction. And if you want to be a part of that, I mean, put it out there on the film. You know, go out there and finish the season strong, and uh, and put some great tape out there. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, building a better working world. Eric Allen. Alongside Eric Coleman, you watched the game Thursday night in Baltimore. The Jets go down 42 to 21. Is Baltimore the best team in the National Football League right now? I mean, right now they are. Uh, they, they play great defense. Uh, they run the ball well. They have a special player at quarterback. Uh, with, with that being said, they're, they're very beatable. You know, just like any other team in the league, you know, I, I think watching that game, you know, yes, it was a big difference in score, but there were a couple plays or a couple opportunities that, opportunities that the Jets had to keep it a close game and if you know you make a play here you don't give them a play there uh, you know who knows what the outcome of the game is the Jets had only seven points at halftime despite reaching the Baltimore 31 missed field goal they got a touchdown on their second drive down there got to the Baltimore seven turn it over on downs and then finally the Baltimore 25-yard line, an interception by Sam Darnold. So there were opportunities there. In fact, the green and white outgained the Ravens in the first half. They had nearly 200 yards of offense. Well, I mean, that's something that you, uh, when you look back at it, yes, you're going to be frustrated that you had some missed opportunities, but at the same time, you were in position to make plays. Uh, you were in position to be a part of this game, to, to be competitive in this game, and those opportunities were missed. The good teams take advantage of those opportunities. The teams that have something to improve on, leave it out there. So, you know, I think that this is a coaching point for the Jets. I think it's something that's going to help them grow. And as these young players continue to mature, it's just only going to get better. Okay, so what do you make of Baltimore getting 218 yards on the ground against a defense that has been so stout against the run? Is it just a blip on the radar because they are so unique? You are never going to see a team like that over the final two weeks of the season, of course. I mean, I shouldn't say never. I mean, you only got two games left. <laughs> yeah, well, well no, one, no one else in the league has Lamar Jackson, yeah. and no one else has an offense created around such a special player. I mean, I was watching the, the film. They were running Veer, you know, Veer power option, and it was like, that, I ran that in high school. You know, when I was like the star player on the team and there was nothing else, uh, you know, they were running plays that were old school. They were doing it well. Uh, they have so an extra running back Old at the school, I know we don't have the chalkboard in front of us, the yeah. whiteboard, but break that down for people listening to this on ESPN New York right well, now. Well, the Veer play is something that like Vince Lombardi ran. 
You know, it's back like, you know, Army days. Army Navy runs the Veer offense, and it's when Lamar Jackson has the ball, he puts the ball into the, to the belly of the running back, running into that B-gap. If the defensive end or that outside linebacker collapses on the run, the quarterback's going to pull it and run around the corner. If the defensive end stays outside, he's going to hand it off to the running back, and he's going to have a wide open lane to run the football. It's kind of like a you know pick-your-poison type offense, but the Baltimore Ravens have created this offense where they have the great offensive line. They have great perimeter blockers. Uh, you know, they, they, were, they make the looks kind of crazy to where guys, it's hard to prepare for that when you're playing it once a year. How hard is it to prepare for that when you had two days <laughs> of prep Monday and Tuesday and the Jets didn't even have a full practice yeah they went through a pair of walkthroughs before departing via train down to Baltimore yeah it's impossible you know to ask uh, you know the guys to, to go out there and execute that game plan and to be that disciplined to be able to stop that option that they've never seen probably since their college days and uh, you know it's, it's a big order to, to to ask and when you when you add into that when Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, there were a lot of times where the initial routes were covered when he dropped back to pass. They did a great job on the initial route. But now you have a special player back there who can pull the ball down, and he's a difference maker when he's in the open field. What do you make on the other side of the ball, the Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold? I'm sitting there watching the game in the first half thinking, wow, this is one of his better performances. I know he turned it over mm -hmm. two times, and that's the thing with Sam right now. He said, I can't have those one or two mistakes a game that are going to come back to haunt me. But overall, that's a very good Baltimore Ravens defense. He was down without Demarius Thomas, and his tight end, Ryan Griffin, was just placed on injury reserve. So, again, a lot of moving parts offensively. I thought uh, Darnold acquitted himself quite well. I, I did, too. I thought he managed the game well. He made some good decisions. Yes, he had the, the mistake at the end of the half where, you know, he maybe it was a miscommunication between he and a wide receiver. Uh, it, uh, uh, tight on Daniel, uh, Daniel Brown. Of yeah, but, but yeah. at the same time, you, you know, you can't, you can't have those miscommunications in the red zone specifically. Um, you know, I thought he's, he's progressing as a quarterback. I think he's getting better with each game. And, you know, the sky's the limit for what he can do as a quarterback. And, you know, and you imagine this. Imagine the offensive line being healthy. Imagine him having all of his weapons. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of possibilities that can happen with a healthy team. Adam Gase was adamant about it after the game with the Ravens that he's improving week by week. I see little things in terms of details maybe that you all don't see. But he's going to become a really good player in the National Football League. Your thoughts? I agree with it. I agree with it. I mean, you've seen him grow. You've seen the growth. He's not making the, the, the dumb mistakes where he's, instead of throwing the ball away, he'll try to throw into traffic. He's throwing those balls away. Yeah, yes, he may take a sack here or there where he's not supposed to. But overall, as a quarterback, as a leader of this team, his confidence is growing. His decision-making is improving. And, you know, he's starting to throw the ball more accurately as well. So, you know, I think Sam is taking some strides. It's all about getting guys healthy, uh, keeping his weapons around him, and, and continuing to learn with each mistake. I thought the Jets really got going offensively. First play, the second quarter, a 41-yard hookup with Jamison Crowder where Sam stepped up in the pocket again, moved to his right, then displayed the accuracy on the move. And then later on that drive, he goes back to Crowder. Crowder dropped a layup. <laughs> I told him after the game, you have that pass in your hands 100 times from here now on. You're going to catch that ball 100 times. Yeah. But Darnold goes back to him the very next play and somehow completed 
An absolutely <laughs> ridiculous pass. Yeah, that was awesome that he had the opportunity to redeem himself. But, I mean, again, Darnold, he, everyone knows he's accurate on the run. He, yeah. that's, that's his strength. He's a great mobile quarterback. He can throw on the run. Uh, but now, you know, as you go into the offseason, as you go into the later part of the season, Let's start working on the pocket presence. Let's start working on other aspects of your game to make you a complete quarterback. That's when you start to have a playoff contender. That's when you start to have an elite quarterback. And I think Sam is making those strides. Now, the bottom line here is Sam Darnold missed three games earlier this season with Mono. We know that. He's also worked with an offensive line that's had two starters at each position from left to right, from left tackle to right tackle. I just mentioned Ryan Griffin going to injured reserve. Ryan Griffin, tight end number one for the Jets. But let's think about Chris Herndon. Yeah. The connection Sam Darnold to Chris Herndon had in year one. Herndon basically a lost season for him as well. Quincy Anunwa was figuring into the plans here way back in training camp. Unfortunately, he went down as well. Demarius Thomas gets incorporated into the offense. He wasn't in the game. So you're seeing guys like Vincent Smith out there on the mm -hmm. field um, in key situations for this team. Well, you know, I saw a stat that showed that the Jets have played over 70 players this season. You know, I mean, and that's if that isn't a credit to the coaching staff of getting these young players prepared to step into roles that they weren't expected to play in, you know, then I don't know what is. You know, I think that the, the young players have done a great job of preparing themselves. I think the veterans have done a great job of showing leadership and, and, and bringing them along. And the coach have done an excellent job of coaching and preparing these young players. I mean, you know, we look at our guest, Bless Austin, and, and you talk about that secondary, how many injuries they've had back there. I mean, Steve Jackson and Denar Wilson, uh, they deserve a, a, a Christmas bonus of some sort for the, the job they've done with these young players, preparing them for these game time situations, and, and they've done one heck of a job. Can that be a silver lining for the New York Jets in 2019, considering Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas was hired as general manager in June? And now he's seen all some of these young guys play. Uh, Brandon Copeland talked about it on a conference call today. He said you can look at each level of the defense. Kyle Phillips, undrafted free agent out of Tennessee. Full of Ronzo Fadakasi, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, has become one of the better run stuffers in the National Football League, those defensive linemen. At the inside linebacker position, who would have ever thought that James Burgess and Neville Hewitt <laughs> We're starting for you and playing well playing inside well. linebacker position. And then Cope did talk about our guest tonight as well, and that is Bless Austin. Yeah, I mean, they, they've done a tremendous job of preparing and having that next man up mentality. And it's just, it's just adding depth. Uh, to the offseason. It's adding depth to the future, getting these young guys reps. When you're not making it to the playoffs, that's what you do. You get rid of guys who aren't going to be a part of your future. You give younger guys the opportunity. Well, because of injuries, these young guys have had a whole season of experience, and it's going to make things tough. Decision-making is going to be tough in the offseason. Uh, they're going to have to get rid of some guys who are making a ton of money because the younger guys can play as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's going to put you in a tough position, but I think it's going to help and strengthen your team because of all this experience they're gaining. All right, so so the Pittsburgh Steelers are coming to MetLife Stadium on Sunday, and we're going to get into that matchup. The Jets will conclude the 2019 season up in Buffalo against the playoff-bound Bills. But we got a loaded show here tonight on Inside the Jets. We're going to come right back and be joined by the aforementioned Bless Austin. You are listening to Inside the Jets on ESPN New York. Darnold under some pressure, looks right, throws right, and it is caught down inside the five, tiptoeing inside the pylon is Crowder. That's a Jet touchdown. 
Jets Rewards members, don't forget to enter the code DECEMBER in your Jets Rewards portal during the show to earn 100 points. You're listening to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. We are broadcasting live at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Our player guest segment is presented by MNT Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now let's welcome in a man who was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. Bless Austin. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How y'all doing today? Hey, hey bless. Thanks so, uh, thanks so much for joining us. How was the weekend off? I mean, it, you're getting in a groove of things in the National Football League, playing a lot, and then a Thursday night game, and then get an extended break. I mean, it was pretty cool. You know, it was pretty refreshing, you know, to have after, you know, playing in like five, six consecutive games. So, you know, to get a step back from everything and review the past a little bit, you know, it was pretty cool to have. And you talked about playing in five or six consecutive games. What has it been like to be back in the swing of things, be a part of the game plan? Uh, you know, you know, you were hurt before for the last two years, but now you're a part of the mix. You're, you're part of the of what goes on in the game. What has that been like for you? I mean, it's been exciting, man. It's been interesting, too, because um, I remember early on when I started playing, I had to kind of relearn how to study, you know, how to study for the game plan, you know, which things is was more important to know than others. I had to kind of decipher that like throughout the weeks. So it was pretty interesting to realize, all right, this is my best way to study. This is how, you know, comprehend the most out of the game plan. Like, so going through that, it's pretty interesting to learn, you know, how I was doing things from the past. Well, let's get into your backstory because I don't know if everybody is aware of what happened to you at Rutgers. Very productive player. Then 2017 comes. You limited to four games, right? Yeah. ACL injury. Rehab. Get all the way back, 2018, season opener. Same ACL, correct? Yep, correct. End your college career. What was that like, and how were you able to overcome that adversity? I mean, the first time, I mean, it was devastating, without a doubt, because I've never been through anything like that. I never got surgery playing football as long as I did. You know, so I wasn't sure I was going to bounce back the first time it happened to me. So, you know, when it happened, you know, I was actually thinking about declaring that year. I remember, you know, always joking to my coaches, hey, you know, this is my last year playing around. So when it happened, to be honest, the first thing that popped into my mind is, ah, I got to come back another year. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that crossed my mind. So, I mean, the first time, you know, I went through it, you know, it was hard and got over it. The second time it happened, I wasn't really, you know, sweating it as much because I was pretty much like I went through it. It's going to be a breeze, you know, the second time. I just got to, you know, be consistent with my rehab. So I wasn't really sweating it the second time as much. But what is the rehab like after an ACL? I mean, you kind of relearn how to do everything again as far as walking, you know, and then when you start learning how to walk, you got to get the leg used to walking, you know, a, a lot of mileage. And then it's the jogging phase, getting back in shape, getting the leg back. You know, you so you atrophy a little bit in the leg. You know, you, you lose a lot of weight. You know, I remember being, you know, I was 195, man. I dropped to about 168 after surgery. Wow. So, yeah. So, it's just a whole bunch of stuff that come with it. Weight loss, you know, your confidence, you know, uh, getting confidence back in the leg, explosion, power. It's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it, but you just got to have patience. And so, can you talk about what it was like getting back into football? Because when you're injured, people don't know this. When you're injured, yes, you're a part of the team. Yeah, you go to practice and meetings, but you're not really a part of the team because you're not practicing. You don't have those stories to tell. What was that like getting back into the swing of things? And what was it like being out uh, with that injury? I mean, it was pretty cool, man, because uh, I, I remember when I first started practicing, I felt comfortable being around everybody again. 
you know, in a comfortable manner because now I can look everybody in the face. I'm like, all right, I'm sweating. I'm getting it in with y'all now. So I was pretty happy about that. You know, when, when you're not practicing with the guys, you can feel like you're secluded a little bit. And not that they make you feel like that, but, you know, you naturally feel like that because you're not out there physically putting in the work with them. And what, and what was it that got you through those times? You know, I know it was tough, you know, going to rehab, you know, not going to meetings and not being a part of it. What got you through those phases of being injured? I mean, I had a strong support system back home. You know, and I got a mentor as well, you know, uh, Coach Corey Robinson. He always, you know, pretty much, you know, preached to me back my senior year in college about, you know, you can't, you got to control the controllable. You know, you can't try to control things you can't control. So I just took it a day at a time, and I didn't try to look too far ahead. What was draft weekend like, though? Because you got taken in the sixth round. Yeah. I I'm sure after the multiple injuries, maybe there was some uncertainty, but... The one thing that always has stood out to me about you here earlier in your career is that you are a confident guy, and no matter what was going to happen, nothing was going to stop you from breaking down that door in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I, I always knew. I played in the Big Ten for, for a couple years, so I, I knew I had the talent. I had what it takes to play at the next level. And I knew the, the, the type of talent I had and where everybody, you know, said what I looked like. The coaches even told me, you know, straight up, hey, you look like this type of dude, you like that type of dude. Some of the some of the best that played at where they was at. So, you know, with them telling me that, I had the confidence that I was good enough to play. It was just a matter of getting there, staying healthy. So now that I'm healthy and I can play now, now I'm just happy I can put the talent on display. So let's go to the scout team. I got, I got to ask these stories about because you're notorious for getting out there. Adam Gates said, listen, this guy, bless Austin, gave us fits. Then we had somebody here a couple weeks ago, actually on Inside the Jets, who said, yeah, bless, started mixing it up with Brian Winters. Brian Winters, pretty big dude, an offensive lineman. So when you started practicing in mid-October and you had been cleared, what's the mentality when you're going out there on the scout team? Man, I'm just... I got so much fire built up in me from <laughs> from, draft, from the draft process, you know, uh, being out for so long. You know, my passion, my passion that is, is for the game is at its highest level. I think it's as high as it could be, you know. So every time I'm out there, I want to impose my will at, at all costs. You know, as a bigger corner, you know, I, I pride myself on being physical out there. You know, I feel like it's not enough big corners that's embracing that physical role. So that's something that I want to embrace as a bigger dude playing the position. So, you know, out there, I mean, you said it, man. I just, I just want to oppose my will, whoever it is. You know, if, if it's a matchup that I like, I'm going to take that matchup. But, you know, Brian Winters, that's not a matchup I like. So, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a matchup I like, so I, I, didn't, I couldn't take that one. So, so can you give us an inside look at the, your meeting room as a defensive back? Because, you know, listen, there's been injuries throughout the, the whole secondary. Uh, but at the same time, guys are stepping up and they're playing and they're confident. What kind of chemistry, what kind of bond do you have with your coaches and the players that are in that room? Um, we have a, a great bond. And, you know, one of the things that helped out is the fact that, you know, I know my role as a rookie. You know, I don't try to overstep my boundaries. You know, I, I try to be seen instead of heard. So I, I just know my role. You know, I ask questions and then I lean on the guys. And I'm not afraid to show the guys, like, hey, I'm depending on you to, to help me out with this and that and the third. I don't try to, you know, come, come across as a guy that know it all. 
as a rookie. So I think the coaches and, and my teammates see that. So, you know, that's why they embrace me. You, I, I don't know who your – my bad, Eric. No, you good. I, I don't know who your mentor is, but he's, uh, you know, giving you some great knowledge because there's a lot of young players that come into this league and they think that they have it figured out. They think that they, because of the prior success they had, because of the, the popularity they may have, that they have all the answers. But you seem like a guy who's humble, who's willing to take coaching, willing to take advice from other people, and I commend you for that. Keep up Appreciate that. The you are a big cornerback, and I don't think people can truly appreciate that. I'm not just talking about size uh, uh, only uh, in terms of your height. Because pregame, Baltimore, he's out there. It's 20 degrees. He's got the cutoff his shirt. You're broad, man. So how does that help you in terms of playing physical with receivers because you're not just a lanky guy because I think sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, bless Austin, tall cornerback. No, you, you're pretty built up. Yeah, I mean, during college, man, I, one of the knocks on me was I was a skinny dude. I had a skinny, lanky frame. So, you know, I got – remember, I've been hurt for two years, you know, right ACL. So, you know, I had two years upper body, a lot of upper body work. <laughs> so I pretty heavy. much – yeah, I pretty much packed some weight on up top and then got the legs to catch up. So, you know, I got the – I got a little size to me now. I got a little bit more power to me now. So now I can really, like, impose my will when I'm hitting dudes. So, I mean, I just I just worked hard. Honestly, put the weight on, put the work in, and now I'm able to take the punishment, too, that comes with being physical. So so when you go back and watch the, the game film, uh, you know, the last five, six games that you've played, what are some things that you think that you need to work on as a corner? You know, is it the press? Is it off coverage? Is it coming off blocks? What, what are some things that you see from your game? Um, I think – I think some of the things I need to do better, um, probably anticipating more, probably anticipating plays better, you know, being in the spot faster, you know, and that's things that just comes with experience. Yeah, that comes you know, with experience. Yeah, it just comes with experience. You know, my coaches always make me aware of that because some, some of the times that can, what can happen is a guy will go out there and try to anticipate things so much that you start playing out of the scheme. Mm -hmm. So that's that's not my playing style and that's not my game at all. I always try to play within the scheme. And, you know, I just trust that the coaches, they said it come with experience. So it's, it's more, as much as these games I keep getting in, I trust that the plays will come eventually. Inside the Jets is supported by MT Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. You are listening to Inside the Jets on ESPN New York. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. We're with Bless Austin. The Steelers played Sunday night football. Now, I know you're going to get separate cut-ups, and you're going to be studying on your own also with the full defense and the, and the defensive backs. With that being said, did you take a look at the game? Uh, I took a look at I took a, a look at a little bit of the game, not too much of it. You know, I was pretty uh, knocked out uh, <laughs> tired of the day, yeah, so I, I kind of took it down early. Uh, and what do you think about the challenge ahead moving on from Baltimore? Because I know you guys didn't play overall to your standards. And this is a completely different offense than the offense you just faced in Baltimore, of course. Well, the, um, the thing that's going to help us out is, you know, Baltimore had a pretty different, you know, scheme when it comes as far as, far as offense. You know, a lot of RPOs, read options, that's not something you see from every team in the league. So now it's pretty much back to, you know, the prototypical, you know, uh, drop back pass the game on the center, running the football, you know, still is football. So, you know, is it, is it not easier to scout up for, but it's a little bit more to what you're used to doing. You know what I mean? And so what was that like last week? You have a couple days to prepare for Baltimore. You know, an offense that's different than any other offense in the league. What was it like uh, preparing for that? Did you have receivers or running backs playing quarterback during scout team? And, you know, like, like what can you pick up in that in those two days before the game? I mean, it depends on your, prepara on your preparation. I mean, 
I felt like we we had a we had enough time to prepare, you know, as good as than as anyone. So, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of that. The only difference is, you know, your eyes your eyes is that more important in a game like that because you know you're running a lot of a lot of options. You know, your eyes gotta be in the right place and your feet gotta be in the right place as well. You know, just like that, you know, a big play could happen. We got a guy like uh, Lamar Jackson at QB. What do you think the preparation this week's gonna be like for the Steelers because you're gonna be facing a rookie quarterback in either Devlin Duck Hodges or Maybe they go back to Mason Rudolph. We don't know at this point. I mean, every quarterback in this league is respected. You know, every, everybody's a professional in this league. So we're going to go about practice the same way we always do. We're going to go work hard, you know, make sure our eyes are in the right place, you know, be consistent. Yeah. Do you consider this, when you look at the final two games, people on the outside are going to be, hey, the Jets are out of it. These games don't matter. Tell us how much these two games matter for a guy like yourself First year in the National Football League, getting his feet wet, cashing in the opportunity right now, playing well, and now you have two final chances here in 2019. I mean, uh, these last two games don't don't mean a lot to me because of that. Like individually, honestly, it means a lot to me because you know these is Buffalo's a team that just clinched the playoffs, so that's a playoff contender team. And then with the Steelers, they also are a playoff contender as well. So. You know, to get these last two wins, it will mean a lot, you know, because those are two teams that's playing great football right now. And to get a win on those two teams, that would be great. 30 seconds here. What has it meant to you to play for a New York team, considering where you were raised? I mean, it means the world to me to be able to represent, represent my home state. It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, it's picture perfect. I mean, words can't even explain it for real. You know, I'm trying to explain it, but I'm just getting choked up because, you know, how surreal it is. That, that's awesome. You're doing, you're doing the state proud, man. You're doing a great job. Yep. Good up. work. Bless Austin. Born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, and now he's making inroads in Florham Park, New Jersey, for the New York Jets. Check him out Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to come right back here on Inside the Jets. You're listening to ESPN New York. Inside the Jets, ESPN Radio. We're broadcasting live, Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. Uh, since we just heard from the great Bob Bushus and I got lost in my thoughts. Listen, that was one of the positive things he could take out of that Baltimore game. I thought special teams was awfully good. Yeah, they were. They did a great job in the return game. Uh, we just heard them blocking a punt. I mean, there's nothing that changes the momentum of a game than, than blocking a punt. You know, that takes all the wind out of the, the opposing team, gives you, a, a you know, the crowd gets them into the game. I blocked a couple of punts in high school, I mean, excuse me, in college. That never, in the, State. never in the NFL, but it's a, it's a great feeling. Better than a touchdown. Obviously, the Jets lost a Pro Bowl return man and uh, Andre Roberts, who's now taking care of those duties for the Buffalo Bills. You'll see him in the season finale up there in Western New York. But listen, I thought the return game was at its best in 2019. Both time Montgomery and Vincent Smith were getting it going. Yeah, they've done a, a great job this season, uh, you know, continuing that momentum from last year with Andre Roberts, uh, you know, Pro Bowl return man. Now you have two guys in, in, in Vincent Smith and 
uh, Ty Montgomery, who have done a great job in the return game. And that's just a credit to the special teams unit. They've, they've been excellent. You know, that's a selfless job. It's one of the tougher jobs on the field is blocking in the kickoff return game. Now, you'd like to have that missed field goal back. You, you obviously had uh, a block in there as well. But uh, Lachlan Edwards goes under the radar as well, the punter. Uh, had perhaps his finest game of the 2019 season. Yeah, I mean, having a punter that, that can flip the field, that can, uh, you know, give you those extra yards on defense is, is a huge bonus. Uh, you know, for that field position game, it is a game that we seldom talk about. You know, you know, what part of the field did they start to drive with? And then when you have a defense like the Jets defense, you need every everything that you can get, you know, to give them an opportunity to get a three and out, get the ball back to your offense with great field position. The Jets Steelers Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Le'Veon Bell will be be the headliner here. Uh, what do you make of his first season in green and white? 204 carries, 676 yards rushing, about 3.3 yards a pop, three touchdowns on the ground. He's also pitched in in the re receiving game, 57 catches, 404 yards receiving for Le'Veon Bell and one touchdown. Well, I mean, when you look at the stats, they're, they're underwhelming. You know, it's something that you expect a lot more from Le'Veon Bell. But when you go back and watch the film and you watch the effort that he's putting in, you know, he's fighting for every yard. You know, and this guy has not given up on the season. He hasn't given up on this team. And it's, uh, you know, he's a great leader. And I think he's a great asset to this team. And I think that he will only help them moving forward. What was different about the run game against the Baltimore Ravens? Because that was his season high for Le'Veon Bell with 87 yards on the ground. Well, you know, they, they were committed to the run. I I thought the offensive line did a great job of getting to the second level. Uh, you know, obviously Sam Darnold throwing the ball efficiently helps things as well. But, you know, Le'Veon uh, was running tough. You know, you, you obviously wish he can get more opportunities. But, you know, running the football, it takes you, know, you have to have a lead. You know, you can't be, you know, 14, you know, 21 points uh, below and, yeah. and running the football con continuously. So, you know, if they can find a way to get convert those drives into touchdowns, I think Le'Veon Bell becomes more of a part of the offense. What do you think it's going to mean for for Bell this week to face his former club, the team that drafted him in the Steelers. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an emotional game for him. You know, I remember my first time playing against the Jets. You know, a team that I loved. You know, a team that I came into the league playing for. You know, playing against them for the first time. You know, you want to do all you can to show them what they're missing. You know, you want to give your best effort. You want to. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have those relationships before the game. Of course, guys are gonna come up and give you hugs. But when the game starts, they're your mortal enemy, and you want to back the team that you're playing for. You want to show them why they missed out on having you. A part of their team how about the attention he's going to get this week because he's a star in the national football league and you know what it's like when there's media availability on wednesday and thursday or whenever he decides to talk you're going to have people from Pittsburgh up here asking him some questions. Oh, well. yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be tough. You know, he's going to have to, you know, revisit a lot of relationships, answer a lot of old questions that I'm sure, you know, he doesn't want to talk about right now because it has nothing to do with the Jets moving forward in, in their position. But it's something that you have to do as a pro. You know, they, we're in the New York media. We're going to have a lot more media attention than, than another small market team would. And, and he's a professional. He does great with the media. He's an entertainer. He understands that they have to do their job. What do you think of the way Bell has navigated all this stuff that comes with playing in New York and playing for the Jets? You know, obviously in Pittsburgh, that's a national brand as well. But when you come to a new team, all eyes upon you. And even though I know he hasn't got the numbers he would have wanted, 
And I know on the other side of the spectrum, Adam Gase is probably frustrated that the Jets haven't been able to get him to the second level as much as he's wanted. Yeah. With that being said, guy's been super positive all year. I, I love how, you know, his attitude, uh, the, you know, he, 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 is sticking to his personality. You know, whether the Jets are, are playing bad, whether, you know, they're winning, whether they're losing, uh, he still is the same person. You know, and he believes in himself. He believes in this team. You know, even when he goes through some, you know, he faces some awkward questions and, and faces some controversy, he's still Le'Veon. And he still gives that personality. And I, and I give him a lot of credit for his attitude this year. He's been nothing but uh, a, an example of how to carry yourself as a player. And, and I think it also proves that, you can love football, but also have other interests as well. I think sometimes we want you guys, a former player, to be a robot. That these guys got to go home 24 hours a day, study the film, never go out, never play putt-putt golf or whatever, never take in a concert. You know, it, yeah. why I brought up putt-putt golf is because... It's just he went bowling the other night. I know much was made of that, and you can have your own opinion on that. But the thing about Le'Veon is anything that he does, he, he puts himself 100% into. And you can have other interests in football. And, and you should. You know, that, that's healthy to, to have other interests. You know, I'm sure that, you know, listen, if you're an attorney, if you're, you know, whatever your, your occupation is, you want something to get away from the game. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was playing, all my friends that I hung out with were not football players. They were police officers. They did something else where I could get away from the game and, and have a chance to separate from from the from the sport. And I think it's important for guys to have hobbies, guys to have other interests outside of the game. Yes, you take your job serious. Yes, you study your film. You take care of your body. You do all the things that are required of you as a player, and then some. But you have to have an outlet as well. We've talked about this before. I thought Bell. For whatever reason, it was an easy narrative to say he's the same kind of guy as Antonio Brown. I don't know Antonio Brown, but these guys have totally different personnel. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're in different classes. You know, yeah. I think Le'Veon is a is a very much a professional. He had to make a, a business decision last year, which he thought was best for himself, his family, his future in this game. And I don't think that you should demonize him for that. You know, I think that he made the right decision for him. He's come back. He's been a professional. He's trained hard. He came back in shape. You know, he, he was motivated. You know, you you can't knock him. You can't. If you're a Pittsburgh fan. Yes, you're going to be frustrated because he's one of the better players in the league and you missed out on a season with him. But at the same time, you have to respect his professional opinion and what he did. What do you think at the end of the day after these two games are done, Le'Veon will take from this year? Because obviously he would have wanted the team to win more. Mm -hmm. And he would have wanted to help more, meaning not in a selfish way, but Le'Veon's the kind of guy like, Hey, just give me the ball because I want to help you guys as much as I can. After sitting out a year and then signing here, what do you think he's going to be like when he gets a chance to reflect on 2019? You know, I think that he's going to be extra motivated, you know, to come back in 2020 and have an even better year. You know, he's going to be a better leader for it, you know, helping his offensive line get better. You know, he understands. I think this season more than any helps you understand that this is a team sport and that everyone has to be clicking on all cylinders for your team to be effective, to be, to be a winner, especially in this division that's so competitive. So I think he's going to be a great teammate. He's going to push guys in the offseason and he's going to be better for it and I don't care how good of a back you are if you're dealing with the problems the Jets had up front 
this season, you're likely to struggle. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I challenge any running back, you know, to any player, you know, to step into a position where, you know, you go into the season with these high expectations, with all these great players, all these key, play, um, you know, role players and, and star players, and then everyone gets hurt and then expect the same result. You know, I, I think, you know, from what this team has done, you know, the injury they sustained, I thought they fought back very tough. They never quit on, on games. They always fought hard. Uh, they, they got better every game. And, you know, you have to give credit to these players, the veterans on the team, the young players, and the coaching staff. I would imagine both the Steelers fans and the Jets fans who are at MetLife Stadium this weekend are going to give a tremendous applause to Bell because if you're a Steelers fan, that guy left it out there on the field for you and you experienced a lot of success because of two six. Yeah, I mean, you should, you know, give him his credit, uh, pay him his respect because he gave everything to that organization and to the, to the point where, listen, he's going out there on a, on a, on a franchise tag. He understands that he has a future in this game. He knows how he approaches the game. He wants the ball every time. If he's not getting it handed off, he wants to catch it. That's the kind of way he attacks the game, and he understands that if he's going to go out there and give it his all, he's going to leave himself exposed. And I think it's way too early to write this guy off because I think the easy thing to do is look at his numbers from 2019 and say he can't do it anymore. I, I, don't, see, I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, you'd be making a mistake if you thought that he can't get back to, you know, 1,500-plus yards as, you know, total offense, 2,000 yards uh, rushing in and receiving. This guy still has all the juice left that he had before. Yeah, the man nicknamed Juice, I believe, still has plenty of juice left. And let's see what happens Sunday because – that's a tough Ravens defense, and he got 87 yards on the ground against them. I actually think after watching Pittsburgh and you look at their numbers, and we're going to dive into the matchup here in our final segment, Steelers' defense might actually be better than the Ravens. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's something special over there. You know, the, the way they turn the ball over, they force a ton of turnovers. They have a great pass rush. You know, they, they really can beat you at every level. So it's going to be a tough, uh, a tall order for the Jets this week and, and a good test of where they are. Yep, uh, and we are going to dive into the matchup in our final segment, and we'll be right back with that. You're listening to Inside the Jets on ESPN New York. shotgun on a rollout to his right steps up in the pocket tucks it under fires up the right seam and he's got Crowder at the 30-yard line running left to the Raven 25 high steps to the 20 gets to the 15 out of bounds at the 10. Remember Jets fans you can stream inside the Jets live through the Jets app presented by M&T Bank go to the app store or Google Play now and search official New York Jets Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel will be here next Monday night. I want to thank Kyrie, who's doing an awesome job producing back in New York City. And, of course, Justin, who is here as well in Florham Park. Well, bless Austin, we had on earlier in the show. Um, you said during a break, E, that... He's already one of your favorite players. Why? I love his mentality, man. He has a, he has a great outlook on life. Uh, and those injuries, fighting, battling through 
tough circumstances kind of help you get a, a better perspective on it. And, you know, the, the attitude that he takes in, you know, coming in here as a rookie, understanding he has a role to play, understanding that, you know, there's a certain way to go about preparing for a game and preparing your body. Um, I, I love his attitude. You know, I think he's grateful for this opportunity, and I really do think he's going to develop into uh, one of those players that's here for a very long and time. And, Eric, you played safety in the NFL, but I like the physical presence he brings at the cornerback position. He's feisty. He's big. Like yeah. he talked about overcoming those two ACL tears. He said he was living in the weight room. Well, you can tell his upper body is he's a jacked up kid and he's ready to go out there with bad intentions every week. Yeah, he can move. He's physical. I, I mean, that really helps you. You know, I look at it as, you know, as a safety when I'm playing cover two. You want a big corner that's going to make that receiver declare, am I blocking this guy or am I running a route? Because the first thing I do with playing cover two is I look out at my corner. What's going on? Is he is the receiver running a route or is he being blocked? If he's being blocked, I can I can close the space. You know, you're coming from 20 yards deep. So the, the closer you can get, the better when it's a run. So having a physical presence like that at that cornerback position really does help you. And, and, and it's nice to see a cornerback who will throw it up in there and, and be physical. We broke down the Baltimore game. We're looking ahead to Jets uh, Steelers Sunday. With that Baltimore game, I was disappointed Jamal Adams didn't have the opportunity to go out there because Greg Williams would have certainly had a very big plan for this guy against Lamar Jackson. And he could have been a difference. I'm not saying the Jets would have won that ball yeah. game, but that defense would have played a lot better had he been on the field, especially against that offense. Yeah, you know, when I was watching the game at home, they were talking about uh, how the Jets, it's one thing to have a spy for Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is more athletic than your spy is, so it doesn't really matter. And I just kept thinking to myself, imagine if that spy was Jamal Adams. You know, yes, Lamar Jackson probably would have made him miss one or two times, but... Jamal Adams would have got him down. He would have made him pay a few times and made him think about leaving that pocket. Well, but that's the other point with Lamar Jackson. I and mean, We're not going to sit here and talk about Lamar for a long time, but he's a great player. That's what a lot of people in the NFL are wondering is not can he keep this up over a short period of time, is how many hits is he going to sustain and is his style play sustainable? And I'm not taking a shot at anything he's doing on the field because he is a brilliant football player. And if you vote him MVP, you're not getting any disagreement, uh, disagreement from me. <laughs> but it does have to concern you a little bit when your quarterback, he is your star, mm -hmm. takes some pops. Yeah, anytime you have the, you know, the, the star of your team, the, the identity of your team out there taking shots, out there taking risks, it's going to make you take a deep breath. You're going to be concerned about it. But, you know, I think he does a good job of getting down. He did take a couple of shots last week. Neville Hewitt. Neville Hewitt. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man, he blasted him. Yeah. But, you know, most for the most part, you know, he's not really taking those shots. He's getting out of bounds. He's getting down. And so, I mean, but at the same time, whenever your quarterback leaves the pocket, you're going to be concerned. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting what happens in the postseason here. The Jets could finish up with three consecutive playoff teams because Baltimore's already clinched the AFC North. Pittsburgh is right in the mix for a wild card, and the Buffalo Bills have already cemented their spot in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, this is, is going to be a true test of, the, of this Jets team. You know, they're playing against three playoff teams. Um, you know, you, you talk about the Ravens. Uh, the, 
the Steelers are going to be ready to go. You know, Mike Tomlin, he's up for coach of the year this year, in my opinion. He's done one heck of a job coaching this team. He's on his third quarterback. You lose a possible future Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. You lose Juju Smith-Schuster, and you're still in the playoff hunt. It's an amazing job of coaching that Mike Tomlin has done, he and his staff. So uh, it's going to be a big test this week and coming up next week going up to Buffalo. It is amazing what Mike Tomlin has done in Pittsburgh. He was hired as head coach when he was 34 years old. 13 seasons later, the Pittsburgh Steelers have never finished under 500 under Tomlin. Unbelievable. Ever. Unbelievable. And, and people take that for granted. And, you know, whenever I, I've ever heard his name on the hot seat, it, it's made me angry. Because what coach do you know that has gone that long without having a losing season, done the job that he's done, been consistent every single year in creating winners? Uh, you know, he has a great culture that he's, that he's had over there. Uh, you know, it's just too bad they're going to have to come to New York and take an L this weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What do you make of the predicament they're in without Roethlisberger? They've had some struggles at the quarterback position. Mason Rudolph, then they go to Devlin Duck Hodges. They had Hodges put the ball up a lot against the Buffalo Bills, kind of played into their hands because the Bills have arguably the best secondary in the National Football League. They come away with four interceptions, four sacks. I can't imagine you're going to stick to that game plan no matter who's lining it up at quarterback. I would imagine Pittsburgh's going to come out and try to run the football. Yeah, well, James Conner. Well, I mean, they're definitely going to have to run the football, but I think without having been Roethlisberger for a year, it gives you a preview of what life like after Ben. You know, he's been uh, threatening retirement for the last couple of years. You know, he's getting older. He got drafted with me in 2004 with Eli Manning. And with you Phillip. are old, Eric Coleman. <laughs> and I'm old. <laughs> uh, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. You know, these are all guys who are on their way out of the league. So at some point in time, Roethlisberger's going to take that next step. Uh, but let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How about the matchup for Sam Darnold? and company. These guys get after the quarterback. Bud Dupree, he's got nine and a half sacks, but he's not the headliner. How about T.J. Watt? Thirteen and a half sacks, and then Minka Fitzpatrick came over from the Miami Dolphins. Rookie season, he's got five picks. Yeah, I mean... They, you, you have 20 seconds. <laughs> they get after the quarterback. Minka Fitzpatrick turns it over, has done a great job, but it's going to be another task for, for Sam Darnold to see how he can elevate his game. Yeah. It certainly is. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one because, as Brandon Copeland said today, listen, these guys are playing for their livelihoods right now. Two games remaining for the New York Jets. We'll be back right here next week on Inside the Jets. On ESPN New York, though, Larry Hardesty is up next.